Okay, please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are in Luke chapter 8. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Have a couple Bibles here, a couple more up here. Luke chapter 8. Christina, one more right here. Luke chapter 8. Verse 16. Luke chapter 8, verse 16. We're going chapter by chapter through the book of Luke. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Then his mothers and brothers came to him, and, he could, not ap- and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mothers and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go, uh, let us cross over to the other side of the lake, and they launched out. As they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We know that through this word, by this word, and the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to do a work in and through us this morning? Lord, we came here because we accept the fact, Lord, that you love us just the way that we are. But we also believe what your word says, that you have so much better for us, Lord. And we love that. We want better. We want change. And so, Lord, give us understanding and hearts to embrace this whole message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So we left off a couple weeks ago in Luke 8, verses 1 through 15. Jesus, so intense are the crowds that are following Jesus that he has to get into a boat on the side of the shore. And the multitudes are standing on the shore listening to him. It is from this boat that Jesus teaches the parable of the sower. 
Some call it the parable of the soils. It's the parable, the story of a farmer who threw seed on four different kinds of soil. Jesus explains the parable to his disciples, and I'm going to go quickly through it because it provides the context. It it lays the foundation for the message this morning or for the verses that immediately follow them. The seed represents the word of God. The four different uh, soils represent the four different responses that people have when they hear the word of God, the Bible. How do you respond? How do you respond when you hear the Bible taught? That's what this parable is about. The first soil, the first response, hardness. The man or woman with this response has a hard heart. The word of God hits their heart and more or less bounces right off of it. The word of God is shut out by a free will choice of the person hearing it. The second response, an emotional one. This man, this woman loves the comfort that they hear from the Bible. They the power, the, the depth, the beauty of it, the wonder of the, 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 the strength of the promises in the Word of God, and they receive the Word of God, but only at an emotional level. The Word of God takes no root into their heart. Their relationship with God is shallow, no substance, so when a trial or hardship comes, they bolt, they check out. The third response, the third soil that Jesus spoke in these verses, it's more than an emotional one. It has substance. It has depth. It has some depth to it. The Word of God hits the heart. It gets below the surface. The seed, the Word of God, goes into the heart, sprouts up, and there's actually fruit. Verse 14 says there's actually fruit that that is born because the Word of God has taken root. But the fruit never matures, verse 14 says. Ever take a bite out of a green banana, a raw green banana? Oh, man. I do kind of often because I like that in-between stage, you know, not like yellow, but a little before, so I like get it wrong about every other week. Ugh. That stuff just stays uh, in your mouth for about a half an hour. How about a green strawberry or a grape that's like two months before you're supposed to pick it, just sour? The, the fruit, meaning the byproduct of the life of God in this third group of people, it's like that. It's never matured. It's not recognized by the world. The Lord can see it there, and yeah, there's something there, but... It's not what it was intended to be. Why? Because it is crowded out. Crowded out by what? Crowded out by so many other things. The parable calls it weeds or thorns. So many other things have taken root in this third man, this third woman's heart, that the word of God has been crowded out. Welcome to the United States of America, where most, this is a description of most of the men and women who go to church week in and week out, 
in the United States of America. What are the weeds Jesus describes? The cares, the pleasures uh, of, uh, of the world, riches. Man, that desire for money, that desire for the things that my next-door neighbor has, that desire to make something out of my life that becomes rooted into the, the, the heart, that desire to make something out of my life where I will be seen, I will be known, I will be appreciated for. The love of career, the love of prestige, the, 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 the desire to look like all those images that come into my mind every day through the media, through commercials, through whatever, sitcoms, through billboards, the desire to look and be like that, crowding out in the United States of America. The final response, verse 15, is a response that the fourth soil, it receives the word of God unconditionally. It's the, it's the heart the man or woman who says, God, I'm tired of my way. Please give me your way. Whatever it is, I will embrace it. The word of God takes deep root into the heart. And what did we say? Not only initially, but on an ongoing basis, the heart is regularly weeded. Remember that crazy factoid that we talked about, a farmer sows an acre with 90 pounds of seed, but there are 3,000 pounds of weed seed in the same acre. That's a lot of weeding. No, that's a lot of time with the Lord. It's a lot of time with the Lord. Time that we have. Time that we can carve out. Lord never asks us to do something and does not give the same ability and does not give us the, the ability to do what he wants us to do. And, by the, uh, and you know, before we move on, there's one thing that um, I left out in verse 15 there that I want to go real be- briefly. Two words actually not mentioned in the same parable in Matthew. Matthew has this same pr- parable as well. It's two words, incredibly important two words. Last two words in verse 15, with patience. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. With patience. Listen, please listen. It takes time before you get in the groove when you start bearing that fruit before the byproduct of the life of God starts coming out on, like a com- on the conveyor belt of your life. With patience, it takes time. Sometimes with newer believers, you know, they, they start, they get, it, they get in the word and they're excited and, 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 and they'll go from person to person. Hey, hey, don't you see the change in my life? Hey, hey, don't you see the change in my life? Hey, aren't I something new? Yeah, man, you're nuts. You're crazy. And you're acting weird. We get impatient to see that fruit in our life. You don't see apple trees 
trying to check out to see the a- apples are growing. They're just, they just abide. They just live. They just dwell. And it will start coming. I've been around long enough. This is a guarantee. It's, the, it's in the bank as you walk with God, learning day to day how to appropriate, how to receive the, great, the grace, the exceeding abundant grace of God that he is always so faithful to give. The fruit will come. So anyway, these are the four soils, the four responses. We left with this question a couple of weeks ago. Which soil are you? Which soil is in your heart? You know, we have probably have, I don't know, 125, 150 people in here. Not everyone is the four soil. Jesus said four soils because usually in a gathering of this size, there's four kinds of soil. Which one are you? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the four soil. I don't want the fruit in my life to taste like raw green bananas. I know what they taste like. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be leaving that raw green banana taste in someone's mouth after I I interact with them. The good news is that Jesus continues. Because as we say, well, what does that look like? What does this four soil look like? Well, he describes it further, actually, throughout the rest of the verses that I read this morning, starting in verse 16 and 17, uh, describes what the forced soil looks like in a man or woman's life. Verse 16, no one, that is, no one who is this fourth soil, no one who has this fourth response. When he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets It on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will be not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Okay, so observe, notice. If your heart is the fourth soil, if your heart is made up of this fourth soil, if you're the fourth response, you won't just receive the word of God and cover it up. Oh, man, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Because that's what I do sometimes. You won't just receive the word of God and cover it up. Why? Because... The roots, the word of God has become so deeply entrenched in your heart that the roots are just forcing the word of God upward. I'm sure all of you have seen, particularly here in the city, a sidewalk. You walk along a sidewalk on level ground. And all of a sudden you come to like two or three sections of a sidewalk, man. It's like all of a sudden the sidewalk's all broken up. And it's like... It's like a little volcano, you know, boom, 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 up like this, being forced up. Why? Because of roots from what? A tree or whatever underneath it. And the roots are so powerful. They're forcing the concrete upward, and they're breaking it all up. At At the Dorchester study on Wednesday night, John chapter 17, Jesus describes Christians and and, and makes this statement actually in a prayer. He talks actually 
repeatedly about a concept. Followers of Jesus are in the world, but not of the world. There's a lot of bad stuff. I don't know how else to put it about the world that Jesus wants us to separate ourselves from. It's a lot of bad stuff. There's a part of the world, there's a system in the world. He just wants us to separate ourselves from. He tells us that because he loves us. And that's what he means when he says, be not of this world. But Jesus is equally clear in the book of John that that doesn't mean move out to a monastery in the middle of the, of the desert. No, he wants us in living with people in the world, being a friend of sinners, the salt of the earth, a light to the world. Be in the world, but not of it, Jesus says. Now, there's one practical problem with that. When you are living in the world, when you're going out into, into your jobs, into the neighborhoods, you're with your family, the world is ever dumping all its stuff on you, like concrete. Ever go to work one day, they just pour liquid concrete right all over you? Yes, that's happened to me. Anyone happen to you this week? Yeah, that's what happens sometimes. It's just a practical problem of, of being in the world. And, and man, you go home, you crash, and it, it feels like six inches of concrete have, have poured, up, poured over you, and it dried up. And you're supposed to go out and pray with someone or something. It's the last thing you feel like doing. Because you have 6 to 12 inches of concrete dried up, all heavy, all over you. People have been dumping on you all day. A practical problem of being in the world. The fourth soil has roots in it, though, that are so entrenched, it will not be denied. Hey, listen, that's just what this says. That's what it says. And the roots will force the life of God upward, and it'll bust up all that concrete and really do away with it eventually, actually within days, if not in hours. That's just, that's a description of the fourth soil. You say, that doesn't really sound like me. There's no better description of someone who was in the fourth soil category than the prophet Jeremiah. And I want to look at the life of Jeremiah because if there's part of me or if there's part of the soil of my heart that, man, there's, there's weeds in it or there's hardness or there, it's just so shallow like the second soil or maybe it's utterly, totally hard. We, you know, God has this here because he loves us. He doesn't want to... He loves us just the way we are. doesn't want us to stay that way. He loves us too much. Jeremiah, one of the best descriptions of the fourth soil in all the Bible. At the big Jeremiah chapter 1, we've been going over it. Uh, we've going through Jeremiah on Sunday nights. He, um, God tells him in chapter 1, Jeremiah, I've chosen you as a prophet. Jeremiah says, no way, Lord. I'm just a kid. I'm just a youth. Forget about that. The Lord says, no. Don't say you're just a youth. I'm going to send you out, and you are going to speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, because I'll be with you to deliver you. And so he answers the message, and he goes out, and he starts to declare the word of God. Well, eventually in chapter 20, people really, really didn't like listening to what Jeremiah said, particularly the, the, the pastors, the priests in the temple. And one of the head priests takes him, strikes him, puts him in, uh, um, 
He strikes him, puts him in jail, and puts him in the stocks. You know, these things. Those pictures of the Puritans or whatever. And, and Jeremiah gets into a full-on fight with the Lord in Jeremiah chapter uh, 20. Uh, he says, you deceived me, Lord. You took advantage of me. You, you know, Lord, you know, you're a bully, Lord. And if you don't believe me, say, well, that sounds crazy. Where's that in the Bible? I, actually, we have the verse. Oh, Lord. Jeremiah 20, verse 7, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. In other words, you're a bully. You deceived me. You said that you were going to deliver me. You said you would be with me and deliver me, and here I am. He's in jail, and he's bloodied up by some uh, corrupt priests. And he goes on in chapter 20, and he says, that's it. I've, I've had it. I'm done. I'm not opening up my mouth again, again about God. Now, by this time in chapter 20, if you start in chapter 1, you read that and you go, yeah, right, not this guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy's there is no way. He's got too much of that, that those roots deep down in his, in his heart, and, and it's just going to break up that concrete. And that's exactly what happens in uh, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 20, he, says, but he goes on, he says, I'm not going to mention your, your word again, but then he says, but his word is like a burning fire in my heart, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not. The Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. I just want to put this up. It says again, some of you in the back may not be able to see the the bottom lines, but wonderful verse. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word is, was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. You get that picture? This is the four soil. It just, the, the, the roots are so firmly entrenched underneath that concrete that's been dumped on his heart by the world, it just busts it all up. It cracks it all up. Other place in, in Jeremiah, it says the word of God is like a hammer. It just breaks that up. That's the fourth soil. Verse 16, no one when he has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is, is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. I know that if I go long enough and I don't share my faith, specifically how to be saved with someone, like a month goes by, I really start shriveling up inside. Now, the Bible says I can go the rest of my life and not share the word ever again. I'm, I'm going to heaven. I've been saved by grace. My relationship with God is based upon grace, not what I do for him. But the Bible also says that, that, that blessedness is given to those who are pure in heart, who have these weeds uprooted. 
If I go long enough in a self-absorbed cave where life is all about me, all about Steve, all about what's good for me, I'm going to be one unhappy dude. If I'm not teaching the Word of God, that particular gift that he has given me, all of you may have different gifts. Not everybody has a teaching gift, but if I'm not teaching, something starts to shrivel up in my soul. I become restless. I just want to uncover the lamp to get the light, the life of God out, to get the truth out. So listen, if this isn't happening to you, where there's nothing really in you that wants to uncover the life and and get it out and share it and, and give the life to others, to share your gift, That is a problem. But that's why we're here this morning, because we got problems. And God, he's our father. He loves us. The Bible says we are his. Jesus in John 17 says, God, they are yours. That's why I'm praying for them right now. They're yours. He wants those other things rooted in your heart that have crowded the word of God out. He wants them out. Because if there's not that desire within you to share your faith, and this is not to bring anyone under condemnation or guilt or shame. If there's just no desire in you to share the gift that God has given you, share the life of Christ and what it looks like with other people, with your words and your actions, both. You have weeds. You have things, the cares, the pleasures, the the riches, Jesus says, that have rooted themselves into your heart. It's just what the Word of God says. Let's just not try to water it down or make it something that it's not. But the reason, again, that Jesus uh, tells us about this is because he wants something so much better than... than, uh, He wants something for us so much better than what we have. So my relationship with God and, and how I respond to God is based on grace, not guilt, not condemnation, not fear. I don't want anyone thinking, oh, gee, I'm so filled with uh, guilt and condemnation. I got to get out of here and, and do this or do that or, or, or whatever. No. I'm going to be motivated, not because of guilt, not because of condemnation. You know, oh, what an awful person I have. Uh, I am because I have all these roots in, in my heart, burn themselves deep. All this stuff I must have done. No, your life has been made perfect in Christ, the Bible says, because of what he did for you on the cross, because he was raised for your justification, because he poured out life. He's given you the Holy Spirit. But he wants you to be a reflection to the world of his glory, his grace, and, and, and his love. So which soil are you? If you don't have that desire to uncover the, the, put the, take the cover off the lamp, off the light, and show it to the world, it's not a reason to get guilty. It's just a reason to recognize I need to get alone with God. He's the master weeder. He'll do it. You expose, the, you expose your heart to the word of God, 
it'll scorch those weeds. It'll kill them. It'll dry them up. It'll take the life out of them. The forced soil, the fertilizer, is time with the Lord. Verse 18, let's move on. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Therefore, take heed how you hear. When you come into a church service where the word of God is taught, you know what's going on? It's not about the pastor. It's not about the the man or woman behind the pulpit. It's not about a, a priest or whoever is teaching. It's about the word of God. And listen, it's the word of God. And when the word of God is going forth, something so powerful is happening. Something holy is happening. In one sense, the ground, this floor, is like the floor anywhere else on, on the face of the earth. But in another sense, it's holy ground. It's holy. And something seismic is happening. You know what that word means? Seismic? Earth-shaking, heaven-shaking is happening. And that's why Jesus says, take heed. You better be careful how it is you hear. If you're, for example, for example, if you're sitting in your seat going, oh, boy, I just wish my cousin Freddie was here listening to Pastor Steve. I just, oh, this is so for him. I got to get a CD after the service. This isn't about Freddie. This is about you. Or if some of you are, you know, you've been listening to me, and you know there's someone on the other side of the room, and you're, you're going like this, wondering if they're paying attention. It ain't about them. God brought you here this morning and put you in that seat. It's about you. Take heed how you here, verse 18 says, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. That's the amazing thing. You can't go, it, 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 the life with Christ, it's always either upward or downward. There's never staying the same. If you're not taking in the word of God, God says, open your mouth wide, I will fill it. If you're not open, opening up your mouth wide and filling it, you're going downward. And when you go downward, even the little that you have is taken away. And, and as a pastor, let me tell you, this one is the thing that gets me so much, where you see someone, someone in the body of Christ, they've had a measure of faith and obedience in their life. They have this little... This little kernel of blessing, and they just guard it with all, with all their strength. They're just, you know, don't get away from this. And, and in the meantime, there's just disobedience in their life. And the little bit thing that they have is taken away. Meanwhile, those who have so much, so much more is given. 
And that's what, he's, that's what he's talking about here. Verse 19 through 21 is a continuation of the description of the soil, the fourth soil. I think the, the Lord is great. Not that I'm into positive thinking and things like that, but he really does focus on the positive when he's speaking to his disciples. He spends just one little verse on the first three soils, one little verse each. On the fourth soil, on the positive one, on the one that we want, he, there's about 10 or 12 verses describing it here. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it for soil. This is a description of the fourth soil. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Lord, I'm tired of doing it my way. Just give me, give me your word and I'll do it. That's the soil where the word of God goes just deep into it, just burrows itself deep and becomes strong and entrenched and will just force its way up and bust up any concrete that's poured on it during the day. Now, don't get caught up about this one thing. It does seem strange that, whoa, that's kind of disrespectful to his mothers and brothers. Look, in the book of Luke, chapter, uh, rather, the book of Mark, chapter 4, we learn a little bit more about what his mothers and brothers were doing. They thought he was crazy, and they were coming to rescue him from himself. They thought he had lost his mind. That's what, that's what was going on. And, and, and this is going to happen to you folks. You will be, have family who gets really concerned for you when you want to like, be a part of the body of Christ and you start going to a Bible study more than once a week. Oh, my goodness. He's a religious freak. She's lost her mind. And they'll be coming to get you trying to come and get you, you know, this is bad. This is a cult thing you're getting involved with. What's going on? But the message right here in Luke chapter 8 is not as much that. It's this, the fourth soil, those who hear the word of God and do it. James says the same thing. Be not just hearers of the word of God, but doers. Someone's a doer of the word of God, not because they're smarter than everybody else, but because the condition of their heart. And that, that's what makes them a, a, the, the four soil. Let's go on. It says, now it happened, verse 22, on a certain day, that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. So they're going across the lake. Actually, can we, can we get this uh, map up, this map? I just wanted to show you this lake that they were in. It's the Sea of, of Galilee. So the, it's here, it's, it's called, it's the one up there. It's called the Sea of Chenereth there, that's also called the Sea of Galilee, and 
That's where, that's where this boat was. That's where this boat was in Luke chapter 8. Now, the, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and 7 miles wide. It sits in a depression that is almost 700 feet below the sea level, surrounded by mountains that rise to about 2,000 feet above sea level on the eastern side. So winds, ever been in a wind funnel in Boston, downtown, anyone? Have you ever been in one when it's zero degrees outside? You think you're going to die. Okay, well, that's actually what's ha happening there. They thought they were going to die. There's a wind funnels go run through this and can create sudden violent storms. And, and it says that uh, they, they were started, the boat started filling with water. Verse 24 says, and they came to Jesus and awoke him. So he had been sleeping saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. In the book of Mark, it says, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? That's what the book of Mark says. Then he, Jesus, arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. The book of Mark and the book of Matthew say there was a great calm. Now, I grew up in boats, boats in the ocean, You've heard some of my stories. My da dad was truly a wild man. I mean, when, a, when a, a small craft warning went into effect, that's when the coal kids went out. And Literally, I have memories of going out in not very big boats and big yachts were coming into the bay. And we're like, what are we doing here? Actually, at the time, I thought it was normal. Uh, but anyway, it, uh, it, they, they, um, the boats were filling with water and they were saying, we're dying, we're, we are, we're, we're perishing here. And they go to him and they wake him up. It's such a fascinating picture. I mean, talk about a, a, a different study in leadership. I mean, you know, instead of Jesus getting up and says, okay, you man the stern, you man the bow, and you, Peter, get on the sail, and you guys, we're going to get through this. I think he's asleep, you know, and, uh, and he gets up and it says he rebukes the wind and the raging water. He rebuked it. And I, I personally, I've spent a lot of time in the water. I've never seen this happening, you know, just from one moment to the next. Not only the wind is gone, but the waves are completely, they cease. I mean, I think the natural laws of physics, that takes quite a while to, to happen. And his disciples, it says in verse 25, it says, Jesus said to them, where's your faith? And it says they were afraid. So they were afraid before because they thought they were perishing, but now they're still afraid. And it's a different kind of fear. It says they marveled, they were astonished, saying to one another, who can this be? Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. He commands even the wind and water, and they obey him. Now, this should be encouraging to everybody in here because this is a statement that these disciples were by no means the fourth soil 
They were not the fourth response. And why do I say that? Well, this question they, they give here, it says, who can this be? They don't even know him yet. They don't know God yet. They don't know Jesus yet. The fourth soil has in it is just enriched with that fertilizer of a deep understanding of who Jesus is. In Hebrews chapter 1, I love this verse, verse 3, it says, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. That word wasn't in their heart. It wasn't in their heart yet. They didn't know that. They feared. They're like, who is this guy? Now, they would get to the place in their life. If you look at these same guys, Peter, and some of the strong statements of, uh, that he was able to make in First and Second Peter of who Jesus was, but they're, they're not there yet. There's a lot of stuff that had taken root into their hearts that had crowded out the Word of God, which they had been given in person. I can just, that itself is a testimony of, of, of the difficulty of keeping weeds out. But it says they did not know him yet. Now, I, lo- I, I love the way, I, I love really ending with this. Why? Because if ever there is a verse that we just want, lodged in our heart. It's actually half a verse. <laughs> it's, a, it's, the, it's, it's just the last part of verse 25. It's this. Even the winds and the water, they obey him. Just ask the Lord to take that verse that half a verse, those 10 words or whatever, even the winds and the water, they obey them. And just, man, if that gets lodged into your heart, it'll change your life. It will change your day. It'll change your relationship that you have in your life. It'll change your perspective towards your job, towards your wife, towards your husband, towards, towards, towards the world around you. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Man, when that gets into our hearts, when it's lodged into our hearts, oh man, will the fruit that goes to maturity, Matthew says 30, 60, 100 fold, will the fruit start coming out in the conveyor belt? The fourth soil has that kind of truth lodged deep inside of it. And then it just gets muscle-bound. What gets muscle-bound? That truth that even the winds and the sea, they obey him. And when that gets lodged in your heart, oh man, does that just force itself upward and all the concrete just broken all up? The fourth soil. Okay, we'll close there and we'll pick it up in verse 26 uh, next 
week, if I could just have the worship team come up. Why don't we close with, with prayer here where you can rise uh, now, stand up, and we'll just close in prayer. And Again, I am just so, I'm just always so struck as I am, as I read verses like this, of the grace of God. Do I have a heart that is fully a four-soil heart? No, I don't. But I'm not going to get hung up on that. I'm not going to get hung up in guilt that I don't have a four-soil heart because I know that God wants me to get there more than I want to get there. And there's grace to get there. So let's pray, Lord. That the, let's pray the Lord that he'd do this work in our hearts, getting us to the place where we receive the word of God. And it takes deep root. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this picture that you've given us this morning. Lord, the picture of the life that doesn't leave itself covered that doesn't leave the word of God covered in it or hidden, but that exposes it to the whole world, declares it for, uh, to the whole world. The book of Matthew says, goes up on a rooftop uh, and declares it, Lord. We all want lives, Lord, that look like that. I pray that you would draw these men and women in to the secret place, Lord, with you. You are the master weed eater. You're not a just a wheat, a weed eater. You go down to the roots and you pull them up, Lord. We thank you for that. Your grace does that. I pray that you do that work in the life of our church family, Lord. I also, Lord, pray, just you, praise you and thanks for, for this picture here of, of, of what a family really is. Lord, the word, world says that uh, blood is thicker than water, but you say the spirit is thicker than blood, Lord. Here it says that, uh, it says, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And just being in, in your family, the family of God and knowing it, Lord, that even as we hear the word of God and do it, we're, we're, we're an active, living, thriving member of your family, Lord. We praise you for that. And then just finally this picture, Lord, of this verse lodged deep into our hearts that even the winds and the water obey the Lord Jesus. How we want it lodged there. How we want to be living out that reality, that truth. We don't want to be, as a people, who look at each other and say, who, who is this God? Who can he be? What is he like? We don't want to be like that, Lord. We want to know you. We thank you, Father, that we came here this morning. You've gotten us closer to that very place, the place where we know you. Keep drawing us in, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.